The week is almost over, so pour that coffee. And let's discuss what's going on in Milwaukee, Madison, Washington, and beyond. It's the Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. Joining Steve Scafidi, here's Joe Sapecki and Bill McCaution. Should we talk about the government? Oh, yeah. These guys looking, well, Joe's looking like Joe's this. looking good. Yeah. He's yeah. got the hat on. Oh, oh, oh. You might want to tune in on YouTube to see this. Yes. Yeah. You got to find it. Is that an ugly sweater or just a sweater? This is a sweater to remind people to, yeah. that they can't just leave out the leftover Halloween candy for the reindeer and or unicorns, whoever it is that pulls Santa's sleigh. How would we know? We've never seen it. Mm. But I've heard that if, if it's old candy, it doesn't agree with the sleigh pullers. And they can. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's vomiting I, the candy. It's out. sort of oh, like Chipotle the, for the reindeer. See, yeah. Oh, it's a unicorn vomiting candy. Yeah, that, that's your yeah. theme. Make sure it's fresh sweater. candy. Interesting take on fresh Christmas cookies and for holidays. Santa too. Fresh cookies. All right. Fresh so, candy. real quick story. I was out in Delfield yesterday for a kids to kids uh, toy drive and uh, did a live broadcast. And I, I often say like to my audience, I love different hours on the show. And I, I apparently said Wednesday that the Ask Steve Anything was my favorite hour of the week. So a listener comes up yesterday and she goes, wait a second. You have said on the air, I've, I, I think I could probably find it in your podcast that the political power hour is your favorite hour. Yes, it is my favorite hour. I was just being self-serving. I was just being self-serving <laughs> in my desire to uh, please the audience. But, and, uh, and to get more toys for tots. And that's a right. noble. Absolutely. And I, I was amazed because I, I'm, I'm actually doing the ring the bell thing this afternoon in Oak Creek, Howell Avenue, a pick and save. Uh, South Howell Avenue, two to four. My wife Kathy and I will be uh, getting your donations for the Salvation Army and all the great things to do with the, with those funds. Um, but uh, people were so nice, and I, I'm looking at the cash box because there's a toy bin and a cash box. It's not ones; it's twenties. Love that. Like bunches of tw- like people were so maybe Delafield's rocking it out there. Maybe they're not feeling the economy. Yeah, nice segue into the oh, conversation about the there economy. It was, yeah. There it was. That's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> so one more quick story. Um, my friend Brian Frail and I were going back and forth about, you know, I, I said all the doom and gloomers out there, they had to, like, bite their lips and bite their tongue a little bit because there was some really good economic news. And, by the way, if you haven't looked at your 401K recently or, or your financial investments, you might want to take a gander over there because it's pretty good. All-time high yes. for the Dow this week. So I was, All-time, I was, ever. I was reminded by my... Friend, Republican strategist Brian Fraley. So you're saying everything's fine? I I didn't say that. <laughs> I said there's good news. We should cheer good news, shouldn't we, Bill McCosh? We should cheer good news each and every time. If if the economy gets better, uh, it should benefit everyone, and largely does. There are sadly for the Democrats, there's a serious disconnect right now between what is actually going on in the economy and what people perceive or what they believe about the economy. And that's where it's hurting Joe Biden. But a lot of these economic indicators take some time to kick in. So, you know, by next summer, will people still have a disconnect between how they feel about the economy and Joe Biden? We'll see. Let me ask you this way for both you guys. How much does a president have to do with these these numbers? I know they talk about this stuff all the time. Bidenomics or everything sucks in the economy if you're on the other side. How much does the president have to do with this? Some, not a ton. Very little. Uh, you know, same thing with governors. And Lord knows we've lived through this conversation in Wisconsin in the last 15 years. You know, politicians probably get too much credit when the economy is good and probably get too much blame when it's bad. I, I just want to share a couple other numbers because it's not just the Dow and not everybody is in the market, right? 
But you're in the season of giving. Is this, is this <laughs> what this is about? More numbers about the economy. <laughs> the economy is uh, pecky. Third quarter, five point two percent GDP growth. I mean, that's like that is cooking with gas. Inflation was zero in October, point one percent in November. Rents are declining. Groceries are only up one point seven percent. That's down from the trajectory that they were on. And so, across the you know across the board, unemployment, job growth, new business starts. The economy is doing better than people believe it is. Next week, Joe Biden will be in Wisconsin to deliver exactly that message. And that's what Republicans have to watch out for. Number one is the economy is getting better. And number two, they sort of like blew it all. They, when they go out there and, and speak in hyperbole, and say, Joe Biden's driving the American economy into a ditch, all this spending. And then it goes, well, actually, the, the doom didn't come to pass. We're in a pretty good shape. They lose credibility with the American people. Bill, can we cheerlead for bad news when when we have a political, uh, huge political year coming? Is that what this is? Are we just cheerleading for bad news from the Republican side, a conservative side? I think we're reinforcing what people believe, right? On on the two thirds of Americans want uh, think the country's heading in the wrong direction. Sixty percent don't want Joe Biden to run for reelection. About the same number don't want Donald Trump to run for reelection. But yet here we are; those two guys are likely to face off against one another. So. You know, economic good news is good for everybody, but there's a political piece of this, right? How does it play into the political dynamic? How can it be used in a campaign? And, and until, unless and until a voter feels it, it won't work to Joe Biden's benefit, right? Donald Trump will be able to say, were you better off when I was president? And most people will say, yeah, I think I was. I think I was, right? And so it's a perception thing. So that's frankly Donald Trump's strongest argument right now. Were you better off and was the world a safer place when I was in, in charge? With uh, the caveat of were you better off before the coronavirus pandemic that I botched the response to and the economy, you know, you and I agree hit. on that. Yeah, like, you and I so. agree on that. And, and I've said this many, many times. I'd prefer a, a generational change and. Uh, someone more conservative, but that that's not the direction we're heading at this point. Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, our political power hour here on 620 WTM. JV, I have a thought. The uh, old National Bank talking text line, wide open, 855-616-1620. We'll stay on this for a little bit more, and then we'll shift to a big Supreme Court decision here and the U.S. Supreme Court on a couple big, big cases they are in front of them now on immunity and obstruction of justice. All of that and more. Bill and Joe, join us on WTMJ Now. It's a sad song. It's a sad Christmas song because he gave her heart is away. Charlie feeling blue in there what? today, or I don't know. He is. I mean, you can't see Charlie. He has a like a, an outfit on. He's got the the tie and the jackets. And I've never been that well dressed in my life. Not no. just in the studio. Charlie, he Charlie looks all grown up Jeff's today. Last day. Yeah. The, hey, the kid has grown. The kid producer has grown up. I don't know what to say. You look. You look. He walked in. I go. Wow. It was a stunner. So if, if you get a chance. I don't know how you could do this. Maybe you'll walk in the studio. Maybe you'll walk in when Wagner's doing his show, which is the the finale of a 25-year career at WTMJ. And, you know, I love Jeff, and he's been so fun to work with. We're going to miss him. because Really? 25 years? 25 years. You know what that means? His first show, I couldn't legally drive. (laughs) I could. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't have guessed that, though, Makashi. Yeah. So so we're we're, we're talking during the break about the, the economic... Good news, and I'm and I'm asking you guys uh, voices you trust on this issue because basically the question is, 
You're not trusting elected officials on that. That's my point. That's what I was yeah. saying last night on social media. I'm not trusting anybody that's elected official because they are, they're just spinning it. Who do you believe? The, the statistics, the raw data, or your lion eyes? Yeah. Right? So, and oh, by the way, the Fed said next year rates may be coming down. I was just going to make that point. I think the Fed still has some pull as an institution and should have some credibility. It's one of those that historically, before Trump, really was tried to keep at a remove from politics. And the Fed signaled that interest rates will come down next year, which, you know, a little over a year ago, what the Fed was mostly concerned about was a recession by this point. Yeah. And and that was like a a year ago, the betting money, everybody was saying there will be a recession. It will be bad. And it turns out that the combination of, you know, policies from the Fed, policies by the federal government, you know, the resilience of the American workforce, entrepreneurs, no recession. Like the, the, the Fed's decision to say we're likely to lower interest rates next year is a admission by them that that fear should be put to rest for now. It's okay to say that things, these numbers, these trends are good. It doesn't mean everything's okay. You're right. right. Energy costs are way up. The cost of vehicles. Mortgages are way up, mortgages. rents are way up, even despite uh, Joe's earlier statistics. Well, but it's st- I mean, starting to go in the right direction. Yes. Right. So let's not get too crazy here. I understand that there's an election happening next year, and we're going to spin like like nobody's business. But at some point, good news is good news. Yeah, I think the people you have to avoid listening to are the talking heads, whether you listen to MSNBC or CNN or or Fox, for that matter, that that are pundits. They're they're not economists. I think right? I heard one of their announcers gulp when the uh, market hit thirty seven thousand. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think you ought to listen to politicians from either side because it's they're not their area of expertise, and they're going to spin the facts that work to their political advantage. So, so I like guys like us. Yeah, that's right. Listen to the Political Power <laughs> Hour on Friday, and you'll know what you need to know. Uh, from the text line, the old National Bank talking text line. Steve Joe just used the cooking with gas expression again, which is not good for the Democrats. I see. That's, that's a that is an astute texture. Ooh, a very, there are it layers is. to that. Joke. <laughs> it is. What do you mean? Not that that was on our agenda, but what do you make of that whole thing with the gas stoves and all that? Like seriously, leave just, our stoves alone, Joe. Especially when the the vice president has a gas stove in. As I just pointed out, this, it, like no, like this is what's hilarious is a single bureaucrat writes on a you know a piece of paper a memo, one idea for how to reduce carbon emissions. And the next thing you know, Republicans would have you believe it is the policy of every Democrat in the country to come come into your house and forcibly remove your gas stove. Well, because the former mayor of New York made it. With an IRS agent standing over their shoulder. There was what Bill just said. I mean, that was a real thing. Yeah, the the former mayor of New York made it policy. This ain't New York. And that's what I'm saying. My point is listen, there are lots of ideas for ways to reduce our carbon footprint, things that sound crazy today 10 or 15 years from now maybe we'll come up with a whole better way you know one of those ideas was stop eating steak keep nope. your dirty steak no and hands way. off my ribeye steak <laughs> no, you're no, right no no chance no that's not going to happen all right i'm going to take a break early because i want you to i'm going to surprise you with the topic oh but i'm going to tell ooh. you what the topic is not much of a in, surprise in your minds to these <laughs> two brilliant minds left right liberal conservative democrat republican what was the biggest political story of this year. This is our last show this year. I'm surprising you with this, so take three minutes to think about it and then come back with your best possible answer. Biggest political, could be Wisconsin, national, international, whatever. We'll find out. Not And not the war in Gaza. That That's an easy one. Think harder than that. Bill and Joe. Look how I'm yelling at these guys. Bill and Joe, Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. You can't hide your right eyes. 
I can't tell if Charlie's telling us something. They might. You must be going to Joe first. You can't hide your lion eyes. Oh, yeah. Joseph Hackey. You set me up, Charlie. Political yeah. power hour. So your biggest political stories or story of 2023. So uh, one state and one national. Yeah. At the state level, I think the biggest story, without question, is the trans, the sort of balance of power shifting on the Wisconsin State Supreme Court after the April election That's of Janet one. Protasiewicz. We don't know what all of the implications for that will be, and we know that it is the first time there has been anything other than a conservative majority for a good long time, almost 15 years, if memory serves. So that's my big one at the state level. At the national level, I I also think it's a relatively straightforward pick for me, which is the indictments of former President Donald Trump. There's just no question that the first time a a former president or a sitting president is indicted for federal crimes, and when he racks up 91 of them over the course of a year through the different investigations and and challenges that he is now facing in court, this is the kind of thing that will reverberate through history. You know, 50 years from now, there may not be an entire chapter on this in the history books, but it's at minimum going to be a considerable portion of a chapter. Yeah, taught in civics classes in high schools around this country forever. So my state one is the rejuvenation of Milwaukee. If you think about what has all happened in 2023, we were awarded the Republican National Convention for July of 2024. Milwaukee got a historic shared revenue agreement with the Republican majorities in the legislature. They just got a historic Brewers package through uh, you know, this is a city on the move. And I th- think the people that get credit for that are Mayor Cavalier Johnson, County Executive David Crowley, Speaker Robin Voss, and Majority Leader Devin Lemahue. And yes, the governor was involved in all of those deals. Uh, but we haven't had that kind of leadership from Milwaukee that could connect with Madison, particularly when Republicans are in charge in my lifetime. So kudos to Milwaukee and the leadership. And I, I think Milwaukee really is the, the story of 23 at the local level on the national level. I would say it was the ouster of the uh, Speaker of the House, not the shortest serving speaker in U.S. history, but pretty close after 15 votes to get the the nod to be the speaker. He got knifed by his own team. Eight guys, uh, eight people uh, sided with uh, 212 Democrats and took out Kevin McCarthy. It, it was it was a disgusting uh, performance by eight people who know nothing about getting or keeping a majority, yet here we are. And I, I wish Mike Johnson well. I'm, I wish Kevin McCarthy well in the private sector. He's now leaving Congress. But I've never seen a dumber thing happen at the federal level, at least as it relates to my party. Does McCarthy get a painting, do you think, in the Speaker's lottery? <laughs> sure, sure he does. does. He yeah, was yeah, there. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, just like, what's the minimum time? His may it, have the if Rogers <laughs> belt on it because it took him 15 rounds to win If you're Speaker it. for five minutes, do yeah. you get right? Like, does Patrick McHenry, the guy who was the Speaker for three weeks while they settled Mr. on Bowtie, Mike Johnson? He's leaving, too. Yeah. I, we know that McCarthy got a farewell address, which he delivered this week. Yes. I thought it was pretty good. Did you I listen did, to I it? I didn't see it. I just thought it was a little bizarre that it, it was. It may. If you're a Republican, you have to think about what he said. He said, "When I got here, it looked like a white country club on our side of the aisle, yeah. and when I left, it looked a lot more like America." And I thought that's a pretty profound thing to say, and, and good for him. What do you think of the job Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, has done so far? I think he's off to a good start. I mean, he doesn't. <laughs> he's had to deal with Democrats. Shocking when you have divided government and only a couple 
uh, seat majority. Now he's down to two, really. He's got a dangerous majority. He's got a dangerous somebody majority. Somebody gets sick or dies, he doesn't have a majority. It's the reality of government. Republicans aren't going to get everything they want with that slim of a majority because it means they have to keep all of their members on every single vote. And the vote to take out Kevin McCarthy's proof they can't do that. And real, you, you didn't ask for my opinion on, on the biggest story, but it, it, I'm, I'm, I like the positive. It's kind of the mission statement of my show. And mine is the, the work that was done in the state, kind of hitting on what about the, the re, reemergence of Milwaukee, the shared revenue bill, Brewers package, and maybe some other things that they have in their works that will actually get some uh, compromise and some um, common sense back in the work of the people. And it's a great American city where they'll still pick up your Christmas tree. Yes. What do you I think about that, that one? Was that crazy? It was like the DPW guys didn't think about it for a while. They, like, oh wait, we can't do that anymore. It's like our world in a nutshell. What a great microcosm <laughs> of like you know, ten months ago, one government body says one thing, yeah. the other government body thinks they've handled it and dealt with it. They forget to tell you know the elected people who are responsive to the people. Crazy. You're gonna, crazy your crazy. Christmas tree will be picked up if you live in the city of Milwaukee. That's what you need to know. And you know what? You can get a fake tree. You never have to worry about it. I know because I have eight fake trees in my house. One up from last year. We've we've upped the ante. Wait, real tree or fake? fake. Tree? Uh, we used to when the kids were little. We did real, and then uh, it got to be too much of a pain, so we're we're fake. You know when we decided the one year she put me in charge of getting the Christmas tree, and I heard nothing but you know what? <laughs> I said I'm done with this. I'm not taking that. Kind of, it's a Christmas tree for Pete's sake. You put a billion yeah. ornaments on it, and you can't even see what the tree looks like. Yeah. Okay. And then I forgot to water it, and you know. Yeah. The, that being said, love you, honey. We're a real, yeah, we're a real tree family. <laughs> Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, political power. After the break, let's hear from the Supremes, not the music Supremes, but the, the legalese Supremes. After this. Rainbows and roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm Just set the mood, the holiday mood here with uh, Bill McCosh and public strategist Joseph Pecky, Democratic strategist and all-around smart guys. Our last show of 2023, they'll be back in 2024 as we ramp up to the big election. All right, so the I had Rick Essenberg on from Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty yesterday <laughs> talking about the decision of the, the highest court in our land, the U.S. Supreme Court, to weigh these really important concerns in the, in the lower courts about things like obstruction of justice and immunity. We can take it a couple different ways. One, the fact that they took them up means this is serious business. And two, I'll, I guess I'll ask you, Bill, how does this, if they say the president is immune, are we done with this stuff? I mean, is, is, is it that serious? If they say the president is immune from being uh, charged with these crimes, does that change the whole ballgame? I think it does. I don't know that it changes every one of the indictments against him, but it's probably not classified documents. But. Yeah, but it certainly changes the rest of them and not what's going on in New York. But I think that's ultimately going to he's going to win that because I think it was the most frivolous of the lawsuits. Do you think about. he's going to win that case? The valuation stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I do. But it's already been decided. It's just a question of the, how much the judgment is going to be for. He, He's already lost it. He's going to appeal, and he's going to end up winning. Okay. He's going to win. So um, I think it is big. What The fact that they were willing to take these cases, they, they are the final say. There's no appeal after them. So uh, if they say he's got immunity, changes the math in his favor, at least uh, to a certain degree. Does it slow it, down the If they say he pace? doesn't, you know, then you can only imagine what Trump's going to say about his own appointees on the United States Supreme Court. There's a 6-3 conservative majority right now. He appointed three of them, which no president's ever been able to do in a single term before. Esselberg said this to me yesterday. Sometimes they're not justices. They're just lawyers, and they look at the law. That That's the only thing I could say. Well, that's what you would hope. Yes, right? you know, of course that. But we always sometimes wonder about that with 
state and U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah, so I, I, I wouldn't even predict how they're going to come down on it, but I don't think either. it'll be 6-3. I've heard a couple of fun um, questions this week around the question of presidential immunity, and I want to pose them to you guys and see just they have no idea this is coming. Can the president of the United States walk upstairs into the residence, shoot his wife in the head, and get away with it? No. I don't think so. Can the vice president of the United States march into the Oval Office, take a a piece off of a Secret Service officer, shoot the president of the United States dead, become president, and then pardon himself? Or is that a crime? Crime. There are crimes... That's what all the pop quizzes commit. today, anyway. Right. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> what you got, Bill? Th- this question of presidential immunity may not have ever been resolved or declared by a court, court because we've never had a president quite like Mr. Trump, is as nice as I'll put it. And so, yes, it's big, but I don't think this is particularly hard. Presidents have to have accountability. The system is set up for checks and balances. I am pretty confident that what they're going to say is if you do crimey crimes like a criminal, there has to be a means for accountability. I asked Bill this question when he was answering, so I apologize for doing that. But um, do you think this toss to the Supremes slows down the pace of these cases? And could we get to a scenario where they're happening like right at election time next year? I don't think the courts want that, but boy, they're that. There's some timing issues here that are just really, really like running into each other. Well, there's other. sort of a code in D.C., at least as it relates to uh, FBI and CIA and those kinds of things. You're not supposed to inject yourself into politics after a certain point. That certain point usually is around the 1st of August, right? And, and that was the claim they made during the Hunter Biden laptop issue. So if something's going to happen, I think it'll happen before the 1st of July, which is before the convention in Milwaukee. Uh, otherwise, it's going to get kicked to next year. Uh, you know, and he might be president of the United States again. He may be the 47th president. Yeah, that's, the, that's the kicker, right? So yeah. then he's making a decision about pardoning himself. Right. And is that a legal question that the Supreme Court could take up? They haven't answered it in so, in our history. They will need. They may need to. I mean, you talk about it's already going to be crazy. But, but that's the, the crazy. So I'll just 10. throw this log on the fire. <laughs> One more reason not to vote for Donald Trump, either in the primary or in the general. Yes, you've been you very consistent about that. You do not want this one, level Joe. of chaos happening in our country all right we're gonna go to wisconsin supreme court because they did something unanimously with this new court and i I was a little shocked um rick essenberg wasn't that thrilled about it but i i thought it was interesting given all the the flavor that we've had with this race this year and in all the uh, the new court coming in drama we'll discuss that with bill mccosh and joseph pecky after this on wtmj now We are having a wonderful time here in the Political Power Hour. Thanks for tuning in. A lot of, lots of texts. I've tried to give the guys a flavor of what you're saying. It's all over the board from uh, talking about fake elections, which we'll get to in a second. Um, they, they really like you guys, which is something that I'm not surprised by. But uh, a lot of nice comments from the texters uh, on this hour. So as I always say, and I'll say at the end of, the, of your last appearance on, on the show this year, I appreciate you guys because you, you bring wisdom, experience, a lot of knowledge about politics, which frankly... And I don't want to be a basher, but a lot of people who do what I do, they kind of have this weird, like, I don't know, pretend knowledge, hopefulness about whatever they think is the right. Thing. You know, guys talking about like really specific budget things who have never done a budget more than their checkbook. And they frankly, yeah, they're probably still using checkbooks in the area of the digital whatever. So anyway, thank you, guys. You're, you're, you're thank you. Uh, Very you're welcome. well appreciated about it in my audience. All right. Wisconsin Supreme Court, a big decision, sort of. They said, you know what? Private school choice voucher program. We're not going to take that case. So uh, white 
elitist liberal, Kirk Bankstead from Manaqua. He owns Manaqua Brewing Company, brought a case asking the Wisconsin Supreme Court to take what's called original jurisdiction, meaning they take the case first. That's outside the normal process. Cases normally start in the circuit court and work their way up to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. It is very rare for the Wisconsin Supreme Court to take original action on anything. They've, they have done it a few times, yeah, but it's, it's a very, Republican play. <laughs> very rare. But this case in particular was this, this white guy trying to deny mostly black and brown kids the opportunity to attend the schools that work best for them. But probably more importantly is the politics of this guy is sort of astonishing. And I think Joe's going to agree with me on this. He, I'm going to read a quote from yesterday's story after this was rejected or denied, whichever term you want to use, by Kurt Bankstead. He said he speculated that the court's decision was politically motivated one to appear nonpartisan before it weighs in on redistricting and potentially abortion. Quote, they're sticking their necks out politically to be able to rule on those two huge issues for both Wisconsin and the United States, he said. So I think that taking the original action from us on voucher, voucher schools, while I think it was the right thing for us to do, I think it may have been a little bit, bit too much political baggage for them to take at this point in time. That is like the most nonsensical <laughs> statement you would ever make. What was that Steve was just saying about people who think they know about politics? Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. if he is, in fact, going to try this case at the circuit court, which is what they told him he had to do, he basically just gave away his entire case with right. that. He, he's saying this is all political. It's all about a progressive majority on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. It isn't about anything to do with education. By the way, my former boss, Tommy Thompson, wrote a great op-ed. You're going to see it in the Wisconsin State Journal Sunday. He's the founder of the School Choice and Voucher Program in the state of Wisconsin. Huge win for kids, particularly in southeast Wisconsin. Uh, Big loss for Kurt Bankstead. How's his beer? Sucks. I've never had. I don't know that I've had it either. <laughs> well, I mean, you, what what was your takeaway on this? I mean, I wasn't surprised. This seemed like a ridiculous legal argument to begin with. It seemed like the wrong process. There are very real. Oh, excuse me, one second. I got to. <clears throat> Thank you. There are very real public <laughs> so policy questions around the way that the school choice or voucher program has expanded that I think should and will be revisited. Not necessarily from a, is it constitutional perspective, right. but around things like means testing. Where are, what's the limit? You know, are, are we really as a, as a state going to say, if you make $300,000 a year as a married couple and your child is already in a private school, you have decided that's within your budget and what you want to do. Should the, should every other taxpayer in the state of Wisconsin subsidize that? I'm not sure that's good public policy. I, I know I personally don't like it. So there are questions around what's happened with the choice program. But this was just, I, I can't even ascribe logic but, to it. And for the listeners who don't follow closely, this is one where Robin Voss and Tony Evers actually agreed. Yeah. They both said yeah. that the Supreme Court should Shouldn't not take it. Take and according to Rick Gassenberg yesterday, the Supreme Court has decided this issue. Multiple these, times. These schools can exist. Yeah. It's yeah. not a controversial issue. You can have different feelings about that, but... They have every right to be there. Um, we got to talk about the fake electors thing. Ron Johnson's been on CNN. I got. I'm going to play a piece later that CNN said. You know, your evidence that you cited, most of it's wrong. But let's talk about fake electors. I said on this program a long time ago there will be at some point criminal charges for these fake electors. It's looking more and more like that may be the reality for these people. Now I don't know these people. I know their names. I don't know any of them individually. But at some point, I get the sense. There may be criminal charges in this case. We know what happened last week. We talked about it on Friday. 
Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, you know, I, I know it's a different network, but one of the fake electors, Andrew Hitt, uh, who's a partner of mine at Michael Best, he, he is on up front this weekend and he gets asked about this. And I, I, what I said last Friday, I will stick to, which is I think they got some bad legal advice. Uh, at the time, I think that's what Andrew's going to say this weekend. I think he, he's going to say if he had to, to do over again, they wouldn't have done it, right? So they relied on some legal advice that turned out to be um, deeply flawed, and and uh, they had a settlement agreement. And I I don't think that any of them will be charged hmm. politically or otherwise, but uh, that doesn't mean that others who are involved in the case won't be. And as luck would have it, I have the Attorney General attorney general from the state of Wisconsin, Josh Call, joining me at 11.15 on Monday's program. He's got his answer down pretty pat. Yes. This, so I, 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 good luck. That, I acknowledge that with the scheduler. <laughs> I have to ask the question. I already know what his answer is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't talk about it. And that's as it should be, right? The, it should not be the the role of attorneys general to say, oh, I'm investigating person X for this crime or that crime. That's not how the system of justice works. So I think Josh Call is doing this the right way. There has been accountability on the civil side. Those fake electors have acknowledged their role in a plot to overturn an election that Donald Trump lost. That's a good start. Yeah. Ron Johnson doesn't think that, though. I don't think he was prepared for the question he, he was, got no, and from that, Caitlin that's Collins. That's not fair either. I'm not giving her a, a carte blanche to do whatever she wants. You, have, you can't just – it's like – it's like you have knowledge as an interviewer that you have not prepared your guests for. You may appear smart. They may appear dumb. They may know more about it than you, but they don't know what this question that's coming at them. You can't know everything all the time. Ron Johnson knows full well who won the presidential election of 2020. It's I'm not, not a tough one. I'm not one. disagreeing with you on that one. Uh, but the, the surprise ambush interview question, I, I'm not, because that wasn't not the subject matter of that interview. Yeah, I'm actually going to blame staff a little bit because when those get set up, Caitlin Collins would be on the super hostile list, right? <laughs> so if you agree to that, you're going to prepare, right? Yeah, you should. That's a fair point. Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky. I think we got grab bag next. We've got two or one left, Charlie. Tell me quickly. One, grab bag next. Joe, Bill, yours truly. Political Power Hour, WTMJ Now. All right, Political Power Hour. We're just chatting away in here while Charlie's doing whatever he's doing in the uh, producer's booth. And... Former producer and big time sports guy Brandon Snide getting in Charlie's way as well. So didn't uh, see didn't see Brandon. Even back though you got the lights off in there, I can hey! see I can see what's there going on in there, gentlemen. <laughs> there he is and Charlie. So let's uh, let's just be careful with that. All right. So uh, grab bag. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Uh, thing we didn't get to this week. Every Republican in the U.S. House of Representatives voted to launch an impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Even the Republicans who know there is no evidence of high crimes or misdemeanors. Wait, Scott Fitzgerald said he's guilty already. He's right, he's ready to of vote. Of what? <laughs> Nobody's quite sure, right? They say, what are the char- what are the crimes that you're in- inquiring about with this impeachment inquiry? Well, high crimes and misdemeanors. Okay, which ones? I don't know. And so, you know, watch this space. This is wild to me that w- this is where we are. Um, I think it's going to politically be a wrong foot for Republicans because it's going to help rally Democrats around Joe Biden. Like they've, they're throwing this guy a life raft. <laughs> I just don't get it. Uh, and you had Hunter Biden go to Capitol Hill and say, I'm happy to testify in public. I'm not going to do it behind closed doors where you're going to misconstrue what I say in the same way that they have with his former business partner, Devin Archer. So the Biden family saga is not over, but I think a real change and a real shift this week that's going to make the politics of it easier for joe biden and democrats and then my other grab bag is to because this is our last show of the year wish you and yours a very merry christmas a happy holidays however you celebrate merry christmas. 
Uh, Merry Christmas. It's been a wild year. Next year's going to be an even wilder year. Yes, it is. Um, but uh, my We'll be the center wishes. of the universe here in Wisconsin. There you go. Per usual. Are we ready for that? I think we are. Yeah. I'm going to do two positives because it's our very last show of the year together. Uh, for those of you who don't know this, Barrett News Media does rankings of uh, radio programs across the, uh, the country. And our very own Steve Scafidi and Jeff Wagner, whose last show is today from TMJ, both were ranked in the top 10 for mid-market programs, talk show programs. So congratulations. Thanks. That's Appreciate a very it. big honor. First time I made the list, so I was, wow. was proud of that. Yeah, top 10 for both you and, and Jeff, and that's See, cool Charlie, stuff. Charlie, give us a little love as well. <laughs> So my second is uh, I'm going to declare Robin Voss the winner of the week by far, hands down. It was a TKO, I mean, with the Board of Regents. He, he negotiated in good faith with Ray, Jay Rothman, the president of the UW Board of Regents, a modest uh, DEI uh, scale back. He didn't eliminate DEI. He froze future positions. He reassigned about a third of the existing DEI positions so that they benefit all students. So there's no actual elimination of positions. And, oh, by the way, the 34,000 UW staff will get their raises. The $32 million that was cut from the UW budget will be restored and a variety of different building projects that the business community wants, including the new engineering building. And he hands that to the UW Board of Regents, and they failed to – they rejected it on the first vote. It was the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. And – Jay Rothman ran the largest law firm in the Midwest in Foley and Larder. He knows how to work with a budget. There's no chance he got over his skis on this thing. So something happened last Saturday for a couple of those board members to flip on him. But then, lo and behold, four days later, they come back. And this thing, the same exact deal gets approved. So Voss, to his credit, negotiates a deal in good faith. It goes down. The politics for Voss go up. He actually, it gets better. And then the deal actually gets approved. So now the business community was totally on his side for four days saying to the UW Board of Regents, are you effing kidding me? You got to do this deal. And they did. Three regents flipped. Yeah. So kudos to Robin Voss. He's my winner of the week. Who will be on the show next Friday. I, I'm not sure on the time, either 930 or 10.30. I will, I will give that to you as a show note at some point later today. All right. Surprise question since we had two minutes. I'm doing this on Monday with my everybody's favorite co-host, Carol Kane. I'm giving you a chance, Bill and Joe, to tell your gift buyer, friends, family, whatever. Question is this. This is our segment name. What do you really want for Christmas, Joe Zapecki? Peace on Earth. Oh, stop. Support for the Ukrainian people who are we fighting. We all want to, that. Okay, well, I, yes, what I want. I, a material item. 18-year-old stepdaughter yeah. asked last night what, what I want for uh, Christmas. I said, peace on Earth. Okay. Support Beyond for all Ukraine. the stuff that we all want, material gift or something that you've been Putting your eye on in the in the old Target when you wander around with the kids. Um, listen, I, golf balls, books, mm-hmm. and vinyl. You can't you can't miss. There you I, go. That's I, an I, honest yeah. answer. I, I appreciate that. Good I one. got it. I got a brand new Aaron snowblower. Oh, it is a hog, baby. It is a Christmas gamer. Yeah. Do you have a long driveway at this at the estates? I do. I do. And That's, I have an errands. It's the best. We moved for the first time in 28 years last year, and I had a very nice Toro snowthrower that my wife forced me to give to our oldest son in Brookfield. Forced. And so I had nothing. <laughs> she, she thought, well, somehow this new driveway is going to be shorter. No, it's wider and longer. So I now have a brand new Aaron's 24-inch hog of a snowblower, and I am one happy camper. You never go wrong with Aaron's. Uh, apparently, big-time sports guy Brandon Snide has something to say. So, and Charlie, you got something for me? Can, can I request a healthy Packers team for Christmas? Yes. 
My goodness. A.J. Dillon, broken thumb. I don't yep. know if he's going to play. That's but unreasonable. Aaron Jones should be back. Who? Aaron Jones should be back. <laughs> and we got Kenyon Drake. Is he still Drake. on the team? I, listen, I, to, to whoever the, the person was at Capco last week, when I said I still thought this was an 8-9 and nine team, this individual like looked at me like I was the dumbest human being who had ever lived. How could I the the disgust with which they scoffed at me? And I was thinking of that person as the Packers laid an egg on Monday night. I would have liked the live shot of that person's reactions. This is a 500 football team, folks. Deal with it. One of us has been telling you that all along. I will say this: they're fun to watch. They're yes, fun they to watch. Yeah. All right, gentlemen uh, from the text line. Hope you all have Merry Christmas and Happy New Years. And I wish the same thing to you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the great wisdom and uh, and the fun we've had this year. And more fun to come next fun. year. Yeah. Oh, are we going to have yeah. fun in 2024? <laughs>